Thank you very much for your liberality. Uh, this morning was powerful. I had three people come up to me already tonight. Said, man, that sermon this morning on desire uh, just set them free. Amen. Really helped them uh, tonight. Amen. I'm telling you, what, it's a wonderful privilege to have Pastor Campbell here. Travels all over the world in our fellowship. Could have been anywhere. Sets his time aside for us. Let's, so let's uh, uh, give God praise he comes tonight. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor. Praise the Lord. Wonderful to be back with you tonight. You've probably heard me say at my age, I just turned 80. I'm glad to be anywhere. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> I don't want to be in the hospital. Amen. And so uh, I want to continue tonight, uh, Galatians chapter 6. This morning, uh, I ministered on the chemistry of desire. Uh, why does one person... I desire something, and you could care less. I got a lot of Mexicans in my church. I love Mexicans. They may be late, but I'm telling you, they'll fill up half your church with one family. <laughs> they know how to be fruitful and multiply. Uh, Pastor Martinez, very good friend of mine, he's got 36, I think 37 grandkids. And he's only 27. No, no, no. <laughs> Uh, but it, anyway, it's, um, but so many people, uh, they don't think, you know, why do I desire this? I said, we, we got Mexican kids in our church this big. They'll take a jalapeno, pepper, seeds, everything, and bite into it like candy. I just look at it, my eyes start watering. <clears throat> why is that? And so I'm not going to preach the whole sermon to you again, but tonight I want you to think, my granny used to say, uh, son, he made his bed, now he has to lie in it. And what we, he, she was saying was, his decisions caught him in life. His decisions created something that he couldn't escape. Brought him to a place where he had to live in it. Lamont Melrose, Pastor Lamont Melrose in, in Pasadena, Texas. Uh, many of you may know him. Uh, at my birthday party, uh, they had him live stream. He was part of the video and everything. And, and he mentioned something I'd forgot. Uh, Lamont now has grandchildren. But he said these words, he says, when I was 16 years old, he said, Pastor Campbell told me something. He said, the decisions you're making today will determine who you will be tomorrow. And here he is, a grandfather, and he made this statement. He said, I've tried to live life with that truth in mind. The decisions you're making today are not just going to determine where you will be tomorrow. And this is the, the revelation, but they'll determine who you will be. I want to minister tonight on Life Catches You. Galatians 6, very familiar, verse 7 and 8, Paul's writing, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he reap. 
He who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap life. Father, tonight we come by the blood, by the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I thank you for these people, God. I pray, give them revelation on how to survive and live life in victory. God, let not one escape your destiny and purpose. You bind up the brokenhearted tonight. Set at liberty those that have been bruised. Open prison doors to those who are bound. I ask you, heal the sick. And may your gospel forever be preached to the poor. Bless these congregations in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to think with me about understanding decisions. Because sometimes we forget the influence of our decisions. This word decision, the act of processing and deciding. The act of gathering information has to do with your mind and then you choose, you come to a conclusion. You make a judgment call. Your emotions also have a powerful effect on decision. It's an act of your will. You are created in God's likeness and image. And that creation has to do with you have the ability to choose. A tree is living, but it can't choose. Animals live, but they pretty much function by instinct. Uh, and so you cannot escape decisions. You can't hide from decisions. You can't ignore. A lot of people, the reason they do drugs, alcohol, a lot of things, um, they don't want to make decisions, but life demands decision. To refuse to decide is a decision in itself. And I understand all decisions aren't of equal importance. You decide to eat at Taco Bell tonight is not the same as deciding who you're going to marry and spend the rest of your life with. Possibly no greater influence or no greater decision in life other than Jesus Christ is who you will marry who will be your spouse. They have more influence. I've pastored for almost 50 years. They have more influence on you than possibly any other. You'll spend more time with your spouse, I hope, than any other human being. In the Bible, Joshua, he's at the end of his life. He's giving a farewell address. This is the last time he's really going to speak to the nation of Israel. And it's interesting, he calls them in this speech to make a decision. Joshua 24, 14. Now therefore fear the Lord, serve Him in sincerity and truth. Put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river in Egypt. Serve the Lord if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord. Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. 
whether the gods which your fathers served, who were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. So here, life brings these combination or various decisions will come at you. Said you can serve the gods which your father served on the other side. We have a lot of Catholics, ex-Catholics in our church. You can serve those gods or the land in which you live today, the gods of the Amorites. Uh, you can all, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the living God. I want you to choose today. You're going to serve somebody. Amen. Oh, Mick Jagger, my Lord, that guy. He looks ancient, doesn't he? Amen. He looks like he's a million years old. Amen. I ain't got no satisfaction. He's been singing that song. He still ain't got no satisfaction. Amen. His face is wore out. Amen. Trying to find some satisfaction. Amen. But Joshua, he's giving them, he's bringing them to a decision. No one can be your decision. People can encourage you. People who love you pray for you. People speak to you. They try to influence. Uh, but at the end of the day, you have to decide. Pastor Mitchell used to make this statement. A man persuaded against his will is of the same persuasion still. Parents, one of the things you need to teach your children is the ability to decide in life. Shaquille O'Neal, he's a trip. I heard him say, I'm a millionaire, my kids are not millionaires. And he said, my boys, at 18, you're out of the house. You're going to have to learn to make decisions. Do you understand that, parents? Part of being a parent is bringing your children to maturity. And that's where they have to decide. And that comes with sometimes, hey, listen big boy. Amen. You weigh as much as I do. Go get a job, get a life, get a house. Amen. Praise the Lord, I can feel you. Amen. But the Bible is a book about decisions. Much of the stories in the Bible are a revelation about people who made a decision here and the advantage of the Bible, you can see the conclusion down the road, how it affected, how it turned out, what it led to, who it influenced, the consequences, the fruit of decisions. Probably one of the most profound decisions in all the Bible. Here's Jesus, God's Son. Sinless Son of God. He's facing the cross. He's in the garden. He's praying in the garden. Garden of Gethsemane. And he prays. And he says, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. He's going to take on the sin of humanity. They're going to rip the beard from his face, spit upon him, 
Strip naked, most scholars say. Carry his own cross. Only he knows the agony of carrying all the wicked sins. He has never sinned. Father, if it be possible, let this cup... And then he prays this prayer about decision. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. This is possibly the most profound prayer you'll ever pray. When you know there's pain behind this decision, the cross, Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. It's not some piece of jewelry. The cross is pain. It's agony. It's sacrificing your will. It's nailing self up there. And it's when you know this is going to cost me, it's going to be unpleasant, it's not going to be comfortable, and yet you're able to pray your decision into God's decision. Some decisions will only be discovered in prayer because your flesh will resist. Your flesh will cry out, No, God, you're asking, this is too much. I can't do it. God, don't, don't take me there. Not my will, but your will be done. Is that a part of your decision making? In the hard places, as I mentioned, in the crisis cross places, it's going to cost you. Your pastor, Mona went to Africa more than once. I, I remember going to Africa preaching for him. Kitway, Zambia. I slept with Luke. There was no motels. That boy was kicking me off the bed all night long. Amen. I remember the only place, there was one place to eat. It was a little pizza place. Remember that? And so Mona's cooking. We're having a time. We're having a big time. I could tell you stories, but I won't. And, uh, but, but I mean, it wasn't easy. Then they went again to South Africa. Powerful church there. Hector and Nicole Ortiz there. Incredible work. I was just there. Some 500 plus people in their harvesters. People saved every service. I mean, just wild. Pack that building. Pack the balcony of the building. Sometimes those decisions, though, are not pleasant. A nation. Think what lived behind Jesus' decision. God waited for him 40 years. You ever read it? I think there's eight verses about 40 years on the backside of the desert. That's how much God has to say when you backslide. Eight verses, and yet when he gets back in the will of God, there's whole books. I mean, as you read it for days. Um, but here he is. Um, he's leading the people of God. I mean, he's anointed. Incredible. I mean, he casts down the rod, man. I mean, it smites the Red Sea. He's leading these people out of slavery. 
400 years of slavery, the book I wrote, uh, Deliverance to Dominion, deals with that. And there they are in the wilderness. And the people of God, they're murmuring and complaining. They're in the desert. There's no water. And they're blaming Moses. Uh, and he's upset with them. Uh, listen, Numbers 20. God says to him, Moses... Verse 10, here now, I want you to go. I want you to go, Moses. I want you to, I want you to speak to the rock and water is going to come out. I have a lot of compassion for Moses right here. You know, you know their answer to every problem was murmur, complain, and kill Moses. You ever read Exodus? That's their answer to every problem. I, I pastor some people like that, amen, but never mind. That's another sermon. No? But he's had enough. Look at verse 10. Hear now, you rebels. Must we bring water for you out of the rock? He lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with the rod. That's emotion. He's upset. He's had enough of their murmuring, complaining. But watch what happened in verse 12. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Because you did not believe me, you shall not bring this assembly into the promised land. He allowed his emotions to drive his decision. There's no faith in emotions. I wonder how many people never reach their inheritance because they make an emotional decisions. Here's Moses. He's put up with so much. And yet God says, because you did, because you did not believe me, you're not going in. You're going to see it but you're not going to experience it. I wonder how many of God's people, because you make these decisions out of your anger, you're upset, it comes out of your mouth. You rebels! God says, oh, you may see it. You may see other people go in, but you're not going to experience all I have for you because of emotional decisions. Can I say something? Don't let people light you up. That's good, good, that's Greek. Don't let your wife light you up. Don't let your husband light you up. And you just go off. I've had all kind of things happen over the years. In I've had women getting a fight in the nursery. They're supposed to be watching other people's kids. They in there clawing and scratching and getting whoa, time out. You know church could be so exciting, did you? I had a guy in my church, I told him one time, I said, You keep lipping, you keep running your mouth, and somebody's gonna close it. He didn't believe me. He's a pastor today. Thank God, there's hope. But another guy who's a pastor today, 
knocked him over a wall. Because he had said something about his sister. Don't be talking about people's sister. Amen. Isn't that, isn't that wild? You thought church, you thought we all had halos, didn't you? Amen. I pastored too long. Amen. I've just seen too much. Amen. But here he is. Think of this. This one, all the good decisions he made. And this one emotional decision. God says you're not, you're not going to see it. The Bible is filled with decisions. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, in all of your decisions, acknowledge Him. And He'll direct your paths. And I just throw a few things. Think about Abraham. The father of your faith. One day God said, I want you to take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you loveth, to a place I'll show you and offer him there as a sacrifice. Have you put your kids on the altar? God, you, you deal with them. I'm not, I'm, too many parents protect their kids from the very thing God's trying to work out of them. I want you to take, and the Bible said he did. But look at the revelation that came. He's ready to sacrifice, and God stayed as an angel of the Lord. And there's a ram caught in the bush, and he caught the revelation, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord himself shall provide a sacrifice. But think with me, that very spot where he's ready to sacrifice his son is where Jesus later was taken to the cross, and our father sacrificed his son. Decisions you make today, sometimes you won't even see in your lifetime the results tomorrow. Think about Jacob. Jacob's name, Jacob, he's a schemer, he's a ripoff, he's a liar, he's a con man. That's what his name means. I mean, you read about it. I mean, he, he, that's, his, that's, his, that's his resume. And he's coming back to inheritance. He's been in Uncle Laban's land for 20 years. He's coming back to his inheritance. And the Lord, the angel of the Lord, most feel the Lord Jesus Christ met him. They've wrestled all night long. Day is coming and the Lord says, enough, I'm out of here. I can't, and evidently it's, it's not working well. But Jacob makes it, I'll not release you till you bless me. A decision. And the Lord says, what's your name? And in the Hebrew, it's like, Jacob, Jacob. It's not God. God knew his name. He wanted him to admit who he was. That happened out of a decision. Have you ever had those kind of prayers? God, I'm not releasing, I'm not turning you loose on this one. Till there's fruitfulness, till there's blessing, till there's increase, till there's breakthrough. God, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm hanging on. And right there, God changed his name from Jacob, the schemer, the ripoff, to Israel, a prince with God. And a nation carries his name today 
that lived on the backside of a decision? Are there nations waiting for you to make the decision? Cities, neighborhoods, people. Powerful decision. Peter, Peter, the most prosperous time. You know, he's cast his net on the other side. The net's breaking. The boat's sinking. And the Bible says he forsook all and followed Jesus. His greatest moment of prosperity. And he made a decision to follow Jesus. And today, two books in the Bible with his name on it. What lives behind your decisions? What lives behind your decisions? Think about the effects. In our text, it said, Be not deceived. God is not mocked whatsoever you sow. The decisions you sow, decisions are seeds sown in life. Whatsoever you sow, don't be deceived. You're going to reap. You sow to the flesh, of the flesh you're going to reap corruption. You sow to the Spirit, of the Spirit you'll reap life. Don't be deceived. Too many people, especially today, are deceived right here. I can just say anything, social media. I can just do anything. The last two weeks before I came and on this trip, three different women in church one young lady on this side, hair all purple, baby. She just had a, tried to commit suicide. A mother up at praying with me. Pastor, pray for me. My daughter, she was there on Sunday morning, Saturday night. Her daughter tried to hang herself with a belt. Next week, another young lady over on this side had taken pills. I'm praying with her. She tried an attempted suicide. You know why? Because of social media. Basically, people saying things, just saying anything, any mean, nasty, cruel. Deceived. I can just go crazy on my wife, on my husband. No restraint. No thought about where this is going. Who it's affecting. The text says, listen, God is not mocked. He's involved. He sees. He's aware of your decisions. Uh, He said, you're going to reap what you sow. Hosea 8, 7, they sow to the wind... And they reap the whirlwind. Listen, you're not smarter than this one. There's a term called the butterfly effect. A meteorologist, his name was Edward Lorenz. And he created the term the butterfly effect. And what it was, uh, it was a thought that a butterfly could flap its wings in South America. And six months later... There's a storm in Central Park, New York. And the thought was, this small event 
this seemingly insignificant decision could have an incredible influence in the future. That's hard to see sometimes. Think about Pastor Mitchell, Pastor and Sister Mitchell, uh, both deceased. He's the founder of our fellowship. He went to Prescott, Arizona 50 years ago, maybe a little bit longer. Little four-square church, 20 people. The former pastor had a moral failure. Left town with disgrace. Here's a little handful of people. The church had a horrible reputation in the city. Prescott was a small town. Some of you have been there. It's boomed. And Prescott Valley, I remember when I first went to Prescott, Prescott Valley was a, was a Circle K, and that was about it. Today, pfft, houses everywhere. But he went down to buy a gallon of paint at the hardware store on credit. The church's credit was so bad, well, then you buy nothing on credit. So he preached on a Sunday in that service. They offered him the church. And he and Sister Mitchell went to lunch that day. There was a couple in the church, Bob and Sharon Allen. We're talking 50 years ago. And he said to Sister Mitchell, he said, you know, if Bob and Sharon Allen will commit to stay with us, we'll take the church. If not, I'm, I'm going to pass. They went to Bob. Most of you, maybe none of you, even know who Pastor Mitchell probably, who Bob and Sharon Allen are. If you've been to Prescott Conference, he's one of the ushers. Today, 50 years later, his wife plays the uh, piano uh, on the platform, organ. But they went to this young couple and they said, we'll stay with you. Pastor, if you'll take the church, we'll stay. Now think, here's this young couple, they've never pastored, they've never been high profile. Today there's over 3,000 churches. What is 142 nations? Out of Chandler alone, we got some 170 churches. We were planted out of Prescott. I remember preaching in Chandler. I was pioneering. And the whole church was about the size of a hot dog stand. I'm serious. A good pole vaulter could have pole vaulted over the whole building. Think what all lived behind this couple's decision. Pastor, we'll stay with you. Listen, you don't know when you say, Pastor... You can count on us. Pastor, we're here. I know it doesn't look good. Uh, 20 people. Some of you pioneering. I pioneered. I know what it's like to pioneer. Amen. It makes you appreciate people. I can tell you stories, hilarious stories about pioneering. This woman came in. She's the only one there. You put the chairs this far apart, you know what I mean. You could put three babies and a grown man between every chair. You're trying to, trying to make it look good. Connie's learning to play the organ. He is Lord. That's all she knew. We played it for song service. We played it for the offering. We played it for the altar call. That's all she knew. My kids are taking the offering basket. I remember this woman came in. She's the only one there. I preached. I'm walking out and I'm she's got a purse, it's alive. This thing's and a dog's head comes up out of it. 
I'm walking by. She got her checkbook out. She said, Pastor, will you pray for my dog? I said, Lady, just sign the check. I'll pray for your dog, your cat, your grandmother. I don't care. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Pioneering. But you don't know what lives behind that. If you say, you know what? Pastor Mitchell, we're here with you. 3,000 plus churches today. 50-something, 50 54. Colleen, Texas, out of Chandler, just, did, just started having conferences. Toronto, Kansas, or, or Toronto, Canada had their first conference. Think about decisions. Lot in the Old Testament. Lot's in conflict. He's Abraham's nephew. He's being blessed. Their, fur, their, their flocks and herds are increasing. There's strife and discord over no doubt grass and water. And Abraham says, look, we're family. We don't, we don't need this conflict. Genesis 13.9 he says to Lot, I want you to make a decision, Lot. If you take the left, I'll take the right. If you go to the right, then I will go to the left. Lot has no clue what's living behind this decision. Think about it. Lot made a choice. The Bible says he lifted up his eyes Verse 10, and saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. Then Lot chose for himself, verse 11, all the plain of Jordan. Verse 12, then Lot pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. Listen to what I'm saying. The decision you make right now opens up this wing of decisions. You make a decision here, it can open up these different, now future decisions. Lot chose the plain of Jordan, but it positioned him towards Sodom. Then the next thing you know, he's living in Sodom. The next thing you know, he's sitting in the gate of Sodom, which is, a, is like a, a, a government position, a place of influence. This one decision ended up killing his wife. Remember Lot looked back, his wife, Lot's wife. Son-in-laws died, his daughters died. He ends up losing everything in life. The end of his story, he's in a cave, naked, drunk. He didn't just choose Sodom, he became Sodom. I want to close with this thought. The decisions you make don't just take you somewhere. They begin to determine who you will be when you get there. That's what's missed. I'll tell you, I, I'll give you a close, closing. I know this woman. She's living her dream. Think of this. She's prayed. I've heard her pray. She's living her dream. 
but she can enjoy it because of who she's become. You may arrive to this place that you prayed about, but because of the decisions you've made, when you get there, you can enjoy it. I want to repeat myself. The decisions you're making today, you can't escape it. Dictates who you become. Decisions are not just external. They're internal. What you're sowing tonight decides who you'll be tomorrow. Remember what Granny said, Son, you make your bed, you have to lie in it. Life either catches you or releases you. A lot of different experiences of life. How do you process decisions? See, that's what we're talking about. Conflicts. How do you work through your will and your mind and your emotion? Someone's they're talking nasty, mean about you. And you see them in here, and, and they testify. They got blessed. They got an income tax check back for $22,000. And, and they've been talking mean about you. How do you process people? Failure, disappointment, your dream didn't turn, or even success, blessing, favor. Decisions begin to shape who you are as a person, how you're going to relate to people. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. That's not easy. That's not easy. That's why you've heard me make these statements. You know, Campbell 3-3, Campbell 23-23. You have to learn to leave things with God. That's so powerful. You can't take everything in life personal. Listen, people have bad days. People say stupid stuff. Say amen, that's me. If you've lived long enough to talk, you've probably said some dumb things. Amen? You can't, that's, that's decisions. I'm not going to spend the rest of my life there. That's a decision that shapes who you are and how you're going to... Fa- you ever think about Joseph? Now let me, I need to close. I told you when this morning, I'm 80 years old, but when I'm preaching, I feel 28. I like to preach till midnight. I'm feeling good right now. You may be ready to go eat a cheeseburger, but I'm feeling good, man. <laughs> think about Joseph. His own family sold him as a slave. This is not ex- this, this is your family. Wanted to kill him. He went into Egypt, the Bible says in Psalms, in shackles bound. 20 years of hell. Ended up in prison. 
Now he is the prime minister of Egypt. Pharaoh has put everything in his hand. And here comes his brothers asking for help. What would you do right there? Oh, baby, 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 baby. Thank you, Jesus. Where's my sword? Pay back, baby, pay back. Oh, God put you in my hand. What did he say? Some of the most profound words in the Bible. He exposed to he his older, you know, uh, Middle Eastern attire. They probably, he was wrapped. They couldn't identify him. He exposed him. They're terrified because they think he's like they are. And he said to him, listen, listen, listen. Don't fear. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good that I might be able to save many people alive. He saved Israel. What a decision. Let me just throw something at you. Sometimes the people that cause you the most pain are preparing you for your purpose. His brother, their pain, put him right in the will of God. Sometimes the people that hurt you the most, you ought to take them out for a steak dinner and say, thank you. Thank you so much. You're preparing me for my purpose. That's not easy. But that's a decision. Who are you becoming? It's not a mystery. It's not just one day. I understand we get saved in a moment, but there's a word sometimes, God, Pastor, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. Pray that God will deliver me. And I want to say, if God does deliver you, you'll be right back here next month because of the decisions you make. Be not conformed, Paul said, Romans 12, to be not conformed to this world be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It takes time to be transformed. I've been saved 50 years. God's still working on me. You can be touched in a moment. Delivered. I got rid of drugs, alcohol, a lot of craziness in a minute. But things up here and in here took time took time I had an anger problem I know you don't I'm serious I'm pastoring and I still got an anger problem that's bad God will use you while he's changing you that's the good news say well, well, what do you mean you had an anger problem I had a guy we're in the foyer of the church he lit up a cigarette I said you got no respect for the house of God he said none <laughs> I slapped sparks, lit his face, amen. Good thing he didn't have a beard, he'd be on fire. I don't advise that. Listen, don't do that. That's, that's not a good thing to do. I'm just telling you, that was real. And the church was growing. We knocked walls out. It, God has a sense of humor, amen. 
My point is, God will use you while He's changing you. If your heart is in the right place, God, I want you to change me. Listen, can I say to him, don't be stubborn. Don't be defending things that aren't working. You've been doing this since you were in the crib. Stop it, it ain't working. You keep ending in the same old mess. That's not a mystery. You need to change some decisions. How you treat people. How you process life. How you speak to your wife, your husband. How you think. Let this mind which is in Christ Jesus be also in you. And you know what? You want to change your world? Change your mind. And your world will begin to change. Desires trigger decisions that determine destiny and who you become. And if I could assess all of your decisions today, I could pretty much prophesy who you'll be five years from now, ten years from now. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever you sow today, you'll reap tomorrow. I ask you to bow your head with me. Lord, thank you. Thank you tonight, God. E.K.